Welcome back to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast, episode number 13. We have a lot to cover in this episode, starting off, believe it or not, with some football. We got guys betting on the NFL games. We got the potential for some teams reuniting with their past. And we got baseball. Unfortunately, still not much there, but the players and the owners have agreed on a few items. Those items are pretty controversial, so we're going to talk about it, and you're not going to want to miss it. Thanks for listening to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Let's get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, old and young, we are back for you guessed it another episode of the phenomenal fan podcast with jared and ryan jared we got a got a few things to cover today some news in the world yeah some news in the world of uh national football league in march that's some pretty interesting news i wonder we got some that's (laughs) we got some interesting news on the on the half of on behalf of the nfl we've got some like less exciting news in the world of major league baseball and that's about it for the most part we're right before we're right in that slot of that sports calendar especially now with baseball not going on where we are right before march madness but you can taste it so at least there's that at least there's something in that aspect to look forward to because we love march madness we love the conference tournaments that are coming up this weekend and obviously the tournament the following weekend probably going to be giving some of our i don't know our bracket picks Jared maybe maybe not who knows it's maybe uh yeah later this week maybe yeah it's or, or next week let's let's definitely do some bracket picks next week yeah cuz we put out on monday we put out an episode we record on mondays so the bracket will be set this time next week so we will yeah, put yeah, out I have a, f- a busy day. I have a busy day monday because of that because of all the uh, because, parlays because it's like a no, because because uh, obviously there's making your bracket, but then for work, part of my part of what I do is inputting all of those games into Oof. you know the different format and, and data feeds that Oof. we need. It's um, a lot of games, so so it, it's a lot of games, and it's also not set in stone. It's a constantly changing. Correct. Like, it's it's like it's like a playoff. Like, I mean, how many how, is it? 60, 64 teams, right? Uh, well, technically sixty eight with the two playing game oh, or the, the four uh, playing yeah, games. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it's like you have, yeah, you have all exactly. You have all of that. It's constantly changing. It's not set in stone. It's not dynamic. So my uh, my next couple of weeks will be. I'll have some nice busy mornings of just getting everything input constantly. So that's gonna be a can't wait, can't wait for that. Yeah, but it's still. I mean, we're both in the industry. It's a busy time of year, but it's the same same that goes for I feel like for a lot of industries where, you know, if you're in sales and you're trying to hit your quota by the end of the year. December could be that month where you're like, oh God, I got to get all these sales in. Or if you're a if you're a cop and you're trying to meet your quota for tickets given out for the month, you know, the last two that, two days of the month. I think I think that guy didn't put a blinker on. I'm gonna pull him over. Yeah, sixty five. Well, speaking, he's going sixty six. You know, speaking of of police and getting in trouble, what rule violations? About, yeah, let's talk about rule violations and uh, and Mister <laughs> Calvin Ridley. Uh oh. Yeah. Calvin Uh-oh. Ridley. Let Calvin Ridley. 
That motherfucker. So, <laughs> if we didn't already talk about it in the podcast and mention it, again, we don't exaggerate on this podcast a thousand Never times. Have. A thousand, 1,216 times. The NFL is fucking rigged. And if you're telling me it's not, you're in on it. That's the bottom line. You are a part of the system. Because Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley is betting on football games. But I wasn't playing. I only bet 1,500. I didn't didn't even watch football. I don't care. It's against the rules, Calvin. You can't do it. And even more so, the only reason you're, you're this giant public figure right now is because the NFL doesn't want people to know that it's fucking rigged. That's the only way to describe it. That's yeah, the only they're, way. they're trying to blow. They're trying to. They're trying to scapegoat Calvin Ridley, but he, he's not the only motherfucker on it. You know. You know that there's plenty of these. Especially check this one out here. Right here. Here. I'm. I'm a practice squad guy, and I'm watching. Oh. I'm watching Derek Gore for the Kansas City Chiefs get fucking carries all week in practice. Nobody has Derek Gore, but guess who's gonna know what the game plan is? My fucking buddies, the people that I know. Hey, why don't you go ahead and throw a Derek Gore first touchdown score on there? Because that's the game plan. Derek all week. Gore. Thursday night football. Derek Gore? Are you kidding me? Why not first? Yeah, why not first? He's probably not even on the fucking list. Derek or Gore. he's down there so far. You no, Jared. It's gonna be Travis Kelsey, Tyreek yeah, well, Hill. Yeah, right. Jared McKinnon. Those guys are gonna score a touchdown. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. The Rams I, and I the Bucks are in the playoffs. Rams, Bucks. It's gonna be Cooper Cup. It has to be Cooper Cup. OBJ. Gronk. Tyler Higby. Gronk. Mike Evans. That's a good. That's a great pick, Mike Evans, Ronald. Or uh, I mean, uh, uh, Leonard Fournette. Any of those guys? Who was it? Who was it for them this year? Kendall Blanton scored the first touchdown in that game. <laughs> fuck out of here, dude. dude! Get the fuck out of here. That 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 shit. Tell, dude. I just refuse. I refuse to believe that there's not the, the, some the, sort of the dude. All the partnerships. Oh all the my partnerships, god! They're, they're shaking by. dick left and right, right, left and right. You see a Caesars commercial every two fucking seconds. DraftKings, FanDuel, these big time sports books. You see the commercial every two seconds. You're telling me that these guys that created all these business relationships don't have a little bit to say behind the, right, behind dude. the scene. Cal- so here's it's what just- happened. We we brushed over it pretty much because we assumed everybody's seen it by now. Calvin Ridley, who was inactive for like most of this year, right? He missed like eight games or nine games or maybe more. I remember because I think I had him in. There's like a mental, there's like a mental health thing. Yeah, I, don't know exactly I think he had a family issue uh, or something like that too. Some sort of off the field uh, distraction, something that had him stepping away from football. And then he didn't end up playing the entire. I stepped away like week four or something, and he didn't end up playing the rest of the year. And sounds like he was down in Florida. And when sports gambling was legalized in Florida for like a really short time, he was down there and he placed some wagers on the NFL. Sound the alarm, Jared. Sound the alarm, because you can't do that. And I don't care. You can't. You can't do it. No, you certainly can't. Not if you're not if you're participating in the fucking league. It's just such a conflict of interest. And you just I, can't do it. And here's my thing about the betting on the sports, right? You have Pete Rose, notable sports gambler guy, got in trouble for betting. Turns out he bet on his own team. In this case, apparently Calvin Ridley had a, a couple parlays going. He bet on his own team to win in those parlays, which is, it's great, man. Like, okay, I guess if there's a silver lining, it's that he bet on his own team to win the games. And maybe P. Rose is a different story because he was back when 
these guys were doing cocaine in the locker room and nobody said anything. But the bottom line is they tell you not to do it. They probably didn't say it as much to Pete Rose as they say to athletes today. But Calvin Ridley, talk to any professional athlete, any of them. And we've talked to a couple on this show. We've talked to more outside of this show. And I've asked uh, a couple guys about sports gambling. I was working a sport, uh, an event not too long ago, Jared, and Rocky's legend, Vinny Castilla, was at the event. And I worked for a sports gambling company. He was there more of a celebrity public appearance type thing. And we asked him something not even sports gambling related. We were just saying, basically, it was like, who would you bet on to win the World Series this year? And his, the first words out of his mouth were, well, I'm still an employee with the Rockies. I can, legally cannot talk about sports gambling. That was it. We're like, okay, we'll stay away from it. So they know. They know you can't bet. Calvin Ridley said, fuck everybody else. Fuck the NFL. I'm not playing. We're on a couple parlays. Why not? 1500 bucks. I'll just throw on a couple. Yeah, but, I'll just on a couple bucks. It's nothing. And what the fuck are you? And what the fuck are you? Uh, what are you doing betting $1,500? Like, like, at least put down like what? 50 G's, you know, something like yeah. respectable. Yeah. And you just think it's like, what, like, it wasn't his contract going to be like $11 million last next season or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, what he's the fuck are you doing $1,500 risking your career over 1500 bucks for him. Especially... Your, his whole, whole reputation is fucking crushed. Oh, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you recover from that. Like, how, like, with uh, with the standard that was held against Pete Rose, not even getting in the Hall of Fame, the all-time hits leader, how does a fucking receiver that's currently in the league, in the new environment, not get the long arm of the law to slam down on him as the first guy that that like? Because it's like this is kind of the first one since the the it really has become legal like across the United States. Correct. Like for a lot of a lot of areas, this is the first like case that we've seen of it. So how did they not make it a fucking example out of him? So of course. That's, that's what I'm worried about for Calvin Ridley is like. Yeah, you did some dumb shit, but I'm I don't think you're gonna get any forgiveness on this because they have they have to let every athlete know. Oh yeah. That like this we're not fucking around, right? He is going so to get like, just he's already been hammered. He's got a full year suspension. It may be extended. He has the chance to appeal, blah, blah, blah. And then he has the just the wise idea to go on Twitter and just start defending himself, <laughs> talking about I'm just gonna come back stronger. I only bet 1500 total. Uh, I bet on them to win, blah, blah, blah. I loved his tweet, his quote that he said, I bet 1500 total. I don't have a gambling problem. So he's addressing that he doesn't have a gambling problem. Actually, Calvin, you do have a gambling problem, and it's called gambling on the NFL while you're in it. That's a gambling problem. So guess what, yeah, buddy? You're done. Problem on your hands. Hey guys, really quickly want to interrupt to talk to you guys about SeatGeek. Shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring. We recently became brand ambassadors for SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes the confusion out of buying tickets. They put a zero through 10 score on each ticket to know if you're getting a good deal or bad deal. Green being good, red being bad. Plus, our listeners right now get $20 off their first purchase with our code PHENOMFAM. All one word, all caps. P-H-E-N-O-M-P-H-A-N. Phenom fan with P-H for both. Click the link in our description to download the app. Remember, code Phenom fan to get $20 off your first order. Download the app now. You can't miss out on this deal. 
go do it. That's oh, a, right on your hands. It's a huge problem. You're an idiot. I just don't like, what are you thinking? I don't understand. And it's so easy to track. It's so easy to see. We are in 2022. If anybody placed, if, if a second cousin of an NFL player, I mean, it's just so easy to track this stuff. I don't understand why <laughs> straight up put a bet down. He put down multiple bets. Like Dude, what? There was, oh my God. There was a, I saw a tweet the other day that cracked me up. Uh, I got, I almost want to go find it. I'll, I'll, I'll probably look into it after this and maybe like get it to you, but it was like, it, it was, uh, it was like a basket. It was like got some guy in the NBA or it might've been the NFL. that just had a fucking terrible stat line and said, or like he might've just like absolutely missed a layup or something. It was something like that. There's somebody, something that shouldn't have happened in sports. Sure. And then just some guy just quote, just quoted the tweet, you know, of like the, it happening. He said, check, <laughs> check his grandpa's fan duel. Seriously. Like, no, seriously. That's, that's fuck. That shit cracked me up though. But no. yeah, no, seriously. It's like, it's like, who's, who's involved in this shit? Like, like, Man, it's how and how do you, how do you, even if you're gonna bet, if I'm in the NFL and I want to bet and I I do don't do know some inside information, I don't know how he placed those wagers, but like, yo, give the money to your buddy or like somebody you know, and say, hey, fucking throw this down on me, I'll you know I'll give you a little cut or whatever. You gotta do, you can't just walk in as Calvin Ridley and place a bet. And I don't know, I don't know exactly like how it happened. Like, how how did it happen? He like he was, registered was he... he registered online and then it was reported by the every sports book has a regulatory part of their yeah. company and then yeah, they they have to verify your identity like you have to submit I think in most cases either yeah. a picture of your driver's license or your social your security license, yeah. or the last th- four of your social security so he punches he in it, yeah I'm sure he he probably gave him fucking he's pro- they probably like please describe your profi- your 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 state of income or how you gain income. And he's like, I'm an NFL player. Like, I mean, literally he might as well, because he had to give enough personal information for them to flag his account and say, is this the same Calvin Ridley that is on the Atlanta Falcons currently? Same guy. Yeah. We're going to need to report this because this is not within the rules of the NFL. So you can't do that. You can't do that, Ryan. No, you can't can't do that. No, I mean, I do think I do think he's fucked, dude. I just don't I don't see any way that they're gonna call out a one year suspension. But man, dude, you if I'm it's a black eye like for the league if they don't fuck him up more. Because you have to like you can't just allow that back in. It's, it just makes you look bad as the league to be like, well, we kind of allow it. Like, well, if you gamble, you're out for one year because you could be costing God knows how many people money, you know, like that are say if you have if they have the opposite side of a bet by rigging it plus you just you just really are making people that are paying attention question the integrity of every single game and the product that you're putting out there and you and i already question it but i'm just saying you you make every single person that sees that article go fuck man how many guys are doing it well and guess what jared this isn't this calvin ridley gambling on game situation isn't the first league integrity issue to come out in the last two months the miami dolphins owner was paying offering brian flores a hundred thousand dollars per loss he was offering the head coach of his team money to lose games 
is that going to stop people from watching the NFL? Of course not. People are going to watch the NFL. They're always going to watch the NFL forever because the NFL is probably the best product available in the world, in my opinion. It's the most entertaining. It's the most exciting. Every game holds probably the more weight than any other league because it's 17 games. But the league integrity of the NFL is not looking good right now, and it won't look good for a while. Dude, it's like we're we're just talking about how we hate how we're talking about how we hate the officials how the officials played such a, such a role in the Super Bowl and in every game really. Um, you know, you have the whole Tim Donahue thing that nobody really talks about, I mean, with the NBA. I just think this shit's so much more relevant. I think it, I think it's happening. It's happening at I a level, yeah, at a level that we don't maybe quite understand. And yes, we're you know, conspiracy guys when we talk about, oh, of course it's rigged. It's probably not. But you're more inclined to believe that it is when owners are paying their coaches $100,000 a game to lose and Calvin Ridley's gambling on sports. And to be honest with you, to be honest with you, maybe, maybe altered. Yeah, slightly changed. Maybe the outcome altered. How come the the spreads? I think the spreads and the over-unders make more sense, right? Absolutely. if we're, I mean, because you can, you don't have to really necessarily, like, you don't necessarily have to choose the outcome of the game in terms of win or loss to win a game, but to call a pass interference call that that was wishy-washy across the middle, do an extended drive to give somebody a field goal opportunity to bust the spread, that's a fucking thing. Easy like, to do. Super easy yeah. to do. Uh, dude, uh, easy for, but like, Every play, defensive holding or illegal, you Dude, there's, know, illegal there's contact. Offense, there's offensive holding every play. Every play, there's offensive oh, yeah. holding. You could easily, they could pick and choose which play they want to kill a drive on. Third and 10, down the sideline, t- toe drag, sideline catch, first down. Flag on the play. Holding, yeah. offense, number 75. Drives over. I mean, drives over. It's, it's Now it's third yeah. and 20. I don't, it's third, over. Yeah. Yeah. You're fucked. Yep, and uh, like that's and they do that shit with the the NBA is the worst. Oh. I always said that. I always said that like free throws, free oh, throws my are God. God. It's 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 hiding in plain sight to the average fan. You can just hide. Ah, oh, what's that call? I do. I saw. I've seen like straight up just blocks. There was one, Christoph Porzingis yesterday. Absolutely just hacked somebody going to the game <laughs> and didn't get a call. And then there was a game I watched on. Sunday, you see Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum had that phenomenal game against the Nets. 51? 54, 54, 54. points. So, so Porzingis hacks this guy's fucking wrist off. It, it fell off, and I don't exaggerate. I never will. It fell off and flew into the stands. That's how hard he hit his hand. He lost his hand. He no lost call. his hand. Lost his hand. And then there's no call. And, and then and J, uh, Jason Tatum is following a guy on like a, there's like a steal or something. Falling the guy to the rim, and the guy goes up to dunk it, and Tatum kind of like brushes his back with his hand. Didn't he push him or anything? Just kind of wow. touched him real quick. This whistle. Yeah, it's a Just foul. Instant whistle. What do you mean, Jared? I'm it's like, an obvious foul. I'm Just... like, dude, what? Like, can we have some sort of like? I get it. Like, it would really fuck up the games to review every call. But why can't there just be like a? Why can't there be like a New York? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They're all they're all they're all on it together. Why can't New York just be like that's ah, not a fucking foul? Yeah. They have they have the challenges, I guess, in the NBA, I guess, in the NFL. There's, like, what, there's one. Yeah, two, it's maybe? it's stupid. I don't know. So it's, yeah, it's, it's horseshit. So anyway, Cal- Calvin really games gambled. are rigged. Calvin, Red- <laughs> Calvin really is a fucking a cheater. The whole NFL is rigged. Everyone's gambling on it. 
everyone's making more money off of it. Probably not. Probably not everyone, obviously. But, but some people. There's players, 100%, 100% players. And, and the guys, I couldn't even imagine being the guy that, like, was like, fuck, man, I just got, like, I got signed off the practice squad. I got to see this gameplay. I might never make more than a million dollars in this league. I'm fucking going to cash out while I have some insider information. I'm not going to place the bet, but my yeah, but my my uncle's best friend is going to place the bet. He'll take 100 yeah. grand down to BetMGM down on the strip. Yeah. He'll put it down on Derek Gore over rushing yards. Are you kidding me? <laughs> What's his rushing yards yeah. set at? 22 and a half. That's funny. Uh, he got get, well, that's that's he, he got, got 13 13 <laughs> carries. He got every single handoff and ran every single snap with the first team this week in practice. So, but nobody knows him though because he is he's yet to score in the NFL. Yeah. So nobody knows him. But I'm on the you know. I'm on the Dolphins scout defense, and I saw Duke Johnson get signed off waivers, and he got thrown in on every first team rep this week. Derek got Derek Derek. Or I mean, created that special play. We created that special play where he's the he's the guy. Yeah, Duke Johnson two plus TDs at plus fourteen hundred. Easy money. Yeah. I'll put five grand on that. Easy. Five grand. Yeah, here's here's the one thing that I do, I do have to say though is like, I think anytime that you place a bet over like X amount of money, they wait. The books have to actually they they review yeah. it. Yeah, it's not like it. So there is like there is, but like, I wonder like if you were to go into a casino and put put a bet down, I wonder like at what limit the fucking pit boss guy has to come. Or, yeah, you know, like, yeah. I don't know what, the, what whoever the pit boss of the sports book is has to come out. You know what the fuck. Yeah, a little. And then he nods his head. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. And then you take the ten thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Yeah. But like, I wonder at what at what level? Because that that is the one thing I will say. On the on the people believe that you can just go in and make fucking a bajillion dollars, and if you were the best, if you knew you if you had the almanac from fucking yeah, Back Back to the the Future, future, yeah, Back to the Future that you could just that you could hammer it. Fuck that, they would kick you off the books so fast. Yeah. If you were on DraftKings and you just hit five ten thousand dollar bets in a row you did probably just fucking you'd probably go to log in and you'd just see fucking two of these on the screen yeah we want we want the losers well that's how we it goes in Jared's, casinos right Jared's and the ryans yeah they, yeah exactly they want the jareds and the ryans to lose money but that's all it is in the, the casino that, too right the guys go in and they play blackjack and they just start just taking money from the casino white dude dana white's been kicked out of like 10 different casinos on the vegas strip because he goes in with $100,000 to the high roller blackjack table and walks out of there with $1.3 million. And they're like, uh-uh-uh, you are never coming back here again. Fuck that. I always picture that scene from Casino when he fucking Robert De Niro takes him in the back and smashes his fucking knuckles. <laughs> He's like, we don't, we, don't, we don't fuck around like that around here. You tell your friends. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I mean, who knows what happens in the NFL. But, hey, that's, the, that's the dark side. But, yeah, it's, on the yeah. good side, on the, on the good side, uh, another topic we want to get into yeah. on the NFL. As Broncos fans, biasly, but more so, it it revolves around the NFL because the Rams just won the Super Bowl and arguably may not have been in that situation had they not acquired Von Miller from the Denver Broncos. Even when Von Miller got traded to the Rams, he was very open about how much he loved Denver, how much he loved the fan base for the Broncos. Broncos country, 5280, this and that. And he sent out a tweet today that said, I kind of want that old thing back, dot, 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 5280. 5280. So, Jared, I don't know where I would stand with that. 
even as an outsider, somebody just watching the NFL, depending, I'm sure, it of, of course, is in most cases, it depends on the money. But if Von Miller comes back on a team-friendly contract, two-year deal, three-year deal, for $10 million a year, I would do it. If I was the, if I was the... Well, that's Vaughn, you know, he's just like, he's just kind of the, he's just a, he's just a Denver, you know, he's just, it's kind of like, I mean, he's a ring of fame guy. A Denver the, legend. Yeah. yeah he's, he's just a, a ring of fame. He's just a Denver legend guy. It's like, I think everyone wants he him loved back. It. It's quite good. It's good for the product. And he's still, he's still a fucking good player. He just hadn't, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough when the team's that shitty and the defense is on, was, has been on the field. It's like these, like people not, don't understand that shit. They're like, oh, well, Von Miller's not doing this. Von Miller's not doing that when he was with us. It's like, it's getting double teamed. Correct. It's getting double teamed by by two linemen every every play. He's getting chipped, and then on top of that, you know, he's on the field. He's on the field for forty minutes a game, at least. You know, because because our offense goes three three and out. Because Teddy, Brid- Teddy Bridgewater's just floating ducks all around the field. So let me let me just toss this out there, and this is all we can touch on with Von Miller, but. I don't know when free agency or whatever officially starts for the NFL. Let's say free agency starts. Breaking news. Von Miller signs a two-year contract with the Denver Broncos for $10 million a year. If you're Aaron Rodgers, do you see that? Does that make your decision? Does the meter that's already sort of starting to peter back towards the, the Packers, does that meter start mm-hmm. to peter the other direction? and lean towards the Broncos because the reports are he's limited besides the Packers. He's limited his choices of teams down to three. I can't remember the one, but the other two are the Steelers and the Broncos. Von Miller goes back to the Broncos. Does that do anything for Aaron Rodgers, or is it completely unrelated? Is it still because Aaron Rodgers is such a loose cannon. We have no idea what this guy's going to (laughs) do. This guy may come out next week and say, I'm retired (laughs) after winning an MVP. Yeah, back to back. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that if that shifts anything for Aaron Rodgers really, because it's like, I mean, Vaughn. Although Vaughn's still effective and still a good player, he's not. He's not Super Bowl Vaughn Miller, like sure, you know, perennial defensive player of the year candidate type of guy. He's still gonna. He'll still come out and have it be good, you know. But I don't think that really does a ton. I think maybe I don't know how. I don't know the cap situation. I think maybe that actually, if we were signing him to ten million dollars a year, it might kind of might hurt. I don't know. I don't know if we would. I don't know if we would sign Vaughn for ten million a year at this point because it's like I think we're, we're trying to. I saw that the report that we're all in to try to get Aaron Rodgers. Right. Uh, so, and he's going to command some fucking serious cash, obviously. He's and back to back MVP. What about he's the? He's going to get paid forty five million dollars a year. Probably. Oh yeah. What about the option though, the other way around, where free agency starts or it's March seventh right now, May. May, June, July, sometime in there, Roger says, I'm going to the Broncos. Devonta Adams is coming with me. Then do we sign Von Miller? And the Broncos go, we're all in now. Might as well sign Von Miller because we need as much help as we can get. Doesn't matter if we bump up against the cap or even go over it. We got to do whatever it takes now because we have two years. We have two years of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And now yeah. we need a guy like Von Miller. Not that our defense isn't good already, I think it's a, it's a complimentary. I think it goes back and forth. I wouldn't mind seeing Von Miller back in the Broncos. Do they need him? No. Does he need to go to Denver? No. But he loves it, and Denver loves Von Miller. So it's interesting. It's interesting to see that he wants to – he kind of want that old thing back, as he said. He kind of want that old thing back. So 
Who knows? Von Miller yeah, may be know. a Bronco. I, mean, I think Von Miller could be a Bronco, and then I don't know. It kind of kind of would feel eerily similar to when we got Peyton, because I know that we've already had Von Miller, but Von Miller technically is not a Bronco, and he's going to be a free agent, right? Yep, he is a free agent. So, yeah, yeah, he he's a free agent. Yeah, so it would almost kind of feel like when we got to Marcus Ware. Yeah, elderly. But, but we, yeah, but we never but we never had you know what i mean we never we never had Va- i imagine we never had vaughn and he's just a free agent from another team it's kind of it's going to feel like we got peyton we got you know we got demarcus Ware, we got to we got all those guys in the offices and so if we got Devonte adams aaron Rodgers, it, it kind of it would feel like we're gearing up for one of those super bowl runs which feels like the broncos love doing that love like once they, it. you know they had El- had elway as the franchise quarterback and then ever since then you know it's you waited 15 years to get another or 16 years to get another Super Bowl. And then you basically rented out Peyton for five, the last five years of his career. And then you wait another seven years or whatever it's been. Yeah, seven years since the Super Bowl. And now you rent, you're going to rent out Aaron Rodgers, pay him out the ass because all you're doing is trickling us along for generations at a time because we're going to have the pride of the Super Bowl to keep, keep us going, to deal with this shitty seven years. You know what I mean? We deal with the shitty seven years because we won the Super Bowl. And like you're obviously correct. Really loyal, correct. Right. But but it's like, tell me that you've really enjoyed the any of the last seven years. Been fucking terrible. Broncos yeah. Awful Broncos time. have been not not competitive. And granted, yeah, it was a sorry. pretty big downgrade to go from Peyton Manning to Trevor Simeon and then Drew Locke and then Teddy Bridgewater and then Case Keenum. And then like all those guys are just such basically career backups that transforming to Aaron Rodgers may do something for Von Miller or vice versa, but we'll see. We'll see where Von Miller ends up. It'd be a cool reunion. uh, Nevertheless. And moving on from football, it's fun to talk football. We always love talking football, but we also like talking baseball, Jared. And again, it sucks. We thought we were just thought there's going to be a deal. We, We really thought there's not a deal. They didn't reach a deal last week when we talked about it. Now we're stuck. Now there's not only a lockout, but supposedly the word being tossed around is deadlocked because the players and the owners met yesterday. Representatives from both sides met. I believe it was yesterday. And the players submitted their proposal. Didn't really make any. They didn't make any compromises. They didn't move on much. And it's frustrating because. You want this deal to get done, but we talked to Lucas Gilbert. We, we've talked to Kent. We want the players to get the best deal. Selfishly, we also want this season to go on. But apparently in these agreements or in these negotiations, they've come to agreements on a few topics, and we're going to cover those today because they're interesting, and they don't have a whole lot to do with the giant chips that they're actually negotiating as far as the competitive balance tax, and league minimum salary and stuff like that. But they have agreed on some smaller details that may end up sticking around and having a bigger impact on the league. So, first initial thoughts on some of these, Jared, and we can just give them all. But the first one that they've, they've apparently agreed upon is making the bases bigger. Just overall increasing the size of the bases. I am impartial to this. I mean, 
seems to me like the bases, I've never thought they were too small. But when you start to think about it, you got a guy like Jesus Aguilar playing first base and a throw comes from the left side of the infield up the line a little bit and you're a base runner, you got nowhere to go. There is nowhere for you to put your foot on that base. I mean, yes, there is a spot because he's on the front side of the base, but I don't see why you wouldn't make the bases bigger. I guess that's supposed to increase player safety or make guys be safe more often. I I don't really know, but I guess they agreed upon bigger bases. Oh, yeah, that one that one feels that one feels a little like. I don't know. Like I don't. Like, who gives a shit? If they want to like bigger bases, like you know what I mean? Does it hurt either side? Does it hurt? Does anyone really notice? I get. I get it. Like you. Like I don't know. Either way you look at it, it's like if you're a base runner, it works better for you. If you're a fielder, it probably is a little bit more comfortable too to be able to yeah. know the guy can slide into the base. Like yeah, if it fucking makes the game better, I don't know how much bigger they want to make it. Uh, and honestly, like I've seen so many people like get banged up sliding into a bag. Weird. I agree. Yeah, I thought like it. And like bases, bases are kind of weird in the in the sense you use them to like you use them for a lot of leverage, right? So you use them to turn from like you know right. from, from base to base. Um, you know, you use them to stop yourself on the slide. But that, that that's also why they're dangerous. You know what I mean? So it's like I've I've always thought like why aren't bases like flat? But then I like thought about it, like well you just fucking slide right over every time, right? And like that was that was something that was in my head. But that's that's kind of an interesting interesting topic. But yeah, totally indifferent about it. Like. Who gives a shit? Yeah. If they if that's the agreement, then light it up. Yeah, I've I, I've always thought too, I've always thought it was interesting, especially being younger, and you see it in softball. I think it's because softball's field is smaller and also tighter. But they have those bases, at least down the first baseline, where it's the white base in fair territory and the orange base in foul territory, and it's all connected, it's the same base, but they want it so that the base runner running down the first baseline, because that's the only that's the only baseline where the the base runner goes through the bag. So yeah. at that point, why not just extend the first base bag? Obviously, keep a piece of it in fair territory, but on the other side, just make it bigger. I- I'm fine with it. Whatever. Like you said, whatever. It is what it is. Not a huge arguing point, but hey, they agreed upon it. So fucking cool. Okay, bigger bases. The next thing that seems to be a bigger arguing chip or negotiation chip from both sides, the players don't want it. The owners do for obvious reasons for the owners is expanded playoffs. The owners want more teams in the playoffs because it's more money, as if the owners don't already have enough fucking money to begin with. They want more money by expanding the playoffs, and the owners' proposal every time, for the most part, has listed 14, 14 teams to make the postseason. This just seems so... It's a lot of fucking teams, Jared. That's a lot of teams. Is it because... Is it because they? Is it because the postseason gets such better ratings? Like, like what's the what's the reasoning? Why do they want fourteen? Yeah, teams? postseason postseason gets better ratings, and additionally, is that, is that why? Yeah, it's that. But what's? I guess they want more teams. I don't know to be competitive. They don't want teams that were eighty win teams, but on the uprise to feel like they were left out. Because in all honesty, I I will say I will say. The 2020 shortened season that did not count for anybody and doesn't mean anything and was Mickey Mouse. The playoffs were exciting. The first round of that playoffs, the wild card round with a three game series against these two teams that were matched up. 
I thought that was really exciting. I thought that was a fun concept, and it actually ended up producing some pretty exciting series. I remember specifically the Miami Marlins, who were not expected to be anywhere near the postseason. Granted, it was a 60-game season, and that's why they were in there. They played the Chicago Cubs, and they beat them. They beat them in Chicago. Now, there's no fans, right? So, again, it's a much different story. But the Marlins beat them. So, I'm okay with expanding the playoffs. The current status, as most people know, each league has three division winners and two wildcard teams. So, that's 10 because it's five from each league. I would be okay with 12 and maybe having the three-game series in the first round and the ones and twos seeds having a bye or something of that nature in the first round. But 14, and looking back on it, I think we touched on it in the previous podcasts, or at least something that I read. If they had expanded it last season to 14 teams, that would have put in the National League, it would have put like the Phillies and like the Brewers or something weird. No, the Brewers were already in the playoffs. It was like the Phillies and some other team. And those two teams that would have made the playoffs in the National League, the Phillies were 82 and 80 last year. And with the expanded playoffs, they would have made the postseason at 82 and 80. I don't really like that because that's rewarding a team for being basically 500. And that's how the NBA is. And that's something that I don't love about the NBA because obviously the NBA puts 16 teams in their postseason. And it's fun to watch the playoffs. But end of the day, three-game series, you put a juggernaut team in – up against an eight or nine seed or a Phillies team that was 82 and 80, they're going to get smoked. So I get it for the ratings. I get it for the owners. The players are okay with 12 and I'd be okay with 12. 14 is a lot. Expand the playoffs. Sure. But just 12 is just the most. And that's one of the most beautiful things about the MLB is that it is hard to win a world series. You have to win your division or get in as a wildcard team. You got to grind. You got to grind to get there. So expanded playoffs, Again, something I think most people are in consensus with. 14, probably too much. 12, kind of too much, but okay with it. And where where it's currently at now, I think it should leave it. But 12 is okay. 14 is too much. It is what it is. It sounds like the owners... the owners are saying like we'll 50, do 50% of the league basically. Yeah, it's, just, it's, yeah. it's 14 teams in the postseason out of the 30 in the league. I mean, that's that's a lot of fucking teams. The owners are using it as a negotiation piece saying, oh, well, we'll move the competitive balance tax up for the players if we add more teams. So maybe they'll negotiate. Maybe they won't. I don't know. The next piece for the lockout, something they agreed upon supposedly is a pitch clock. Now, Jared and I both pitched. Granted, nowhere near the level that these guys are at. Pitch clock is an interesting one because, again, I don't know how it's going to be enforced. I don't know what they're going to say or they're going to, okay, as soon as the ball hits the glove, you have 30 seconds to deliver the pitch again or you have 15 seconds to get back on the rubber because then it starts to get finicky with, like, well, what if the guy's injured or what if he just takes more time? So many different guys have such a different routine. Granted, I don't love guys like Pedro Baez or guys that <laughs> throw a pitch, get the ball back, take their glove off, rub it up, do a lap around the mound, kick their cleats off with dirt, grab the rosin bag between each, be like, holy shit, throw the ball, right? We all agree, throw the ball. But how they enforce that pitch clock is going to be interesting because I feel like it's going to rush a lot of guys, especially guys like they're struggling. They throw a four-pitch walk. Oh, fuck, I got to get back on the mound and throw another pitch. Four-pitch walk again. Oh, I got to throw, I got to throw, I got to throw. It's, it's going to... 
it's another attempt, in my opinion, to speed up the game where I don't feel like it's much of an issue. I don't feel like the pitch clock has ever really been a thing besides a very small handful of guys, like I mentioned, that take forever. But then what if they yeah. violate? What if they violate the pitch clock? What is it, a ball? What is it, a balk? Yeah. Like, how do you... Just like, then you're just gonna like anytime you know then you piss the the manager off and the players off and then they they fucking argue with you and the manager comes out and all the time that you thought you saved on the pitch clock is now wasted on an argument because you enforced it weirdly or it's like nobody likes the way it's enforced <laughs> i don't know i don't i don't hate a pitch clock if it's a reasonable amount of time but there's also there's also like like you said there's little shit that can happen like you know like when when does it start? Does it start as soon as it get the catcher it gets back to the the pitcher? The clock goes. Yeah, I don't know. What, you, what if it's what if it's raining? You know, right. What what if it's starting to rain and the guy's gonna you know kick his cleats off? And, and then what like if like, what if it turns into you, a back enforce, and forth like okay, well, the pitcher's pitcher's back on the mound, but the batter's taking forever in the box, or the batter fouls one off his shin, and then the umpire has to make a judgment on whether he's actually hurt or if he needs to get back in the box. It just seems like more shit that the umpires already have to deal with. The umpires have to keep track of the mound visits. They have to do the replays. And we all know how fucking incompetent these MLB umpires are and how they fuck up the calls anyways. Now they have to keep track of a pitch clock and be looking over the pitcher's shoulder to make sure he's in a set position with less than five seconds. Like, too much, I think, in some cases. I'm okay with it. They already have clocks in between innings and stuff. It is what it is. Sounds like the players are cool with it, so there must be an agreement on on how it's going to be enforced, and they're okay with it. It is what it is. Pitch clock is again kind of an impartial thing. I don't love it, but it's not the end of the world if it gets enforced, as long as it just doesn't impact the game in a huge way. And all of a sudden, you're talking, oh, pitch clock, and the announcers are like, oh, he's got to throw the pitch like a play clock in the NFL. You're like, oh god, he's go go go, get rid of it, you know. And then he box yeah, or he would- like. It would, yeah, it would. I would hate to see it like come down to like you get into the yeah eighth or ninth inning, like really eighth, eighth or ninth inning, and it really fucking decides a game or something. Yeah, because then well, then it's oh, like, are it's, you fucking up like uh and, and and it's a walk and the walks the winning run in for the World Series. Like, yeah, imagine that. Yeah, seriously, or you, imagine that. Or or do you have a guy who comes set like Max Scherzer is a good example. He's a guy who likes to do long holds on the mound. So what if he gets the set the sign from the set position, comes set, sits there and fucking holds it. Hold, hold, hold. And then what? Do they call call Bach or do they? I don't know. It's it's a weird one. Again, we don't know how it's going to be enforced, but it is what it is. They agreed on it. The next one they agreed on, Jared, the one that we can brush over super quick, Universal DH. I think everybody agrees we should have had this a long fucking time ago because it's cool to watch pitchers hit. And yeah, some guys can hit the ball, but it's such a waste of fucking time in the National League to watch yeah. a pitcher come up and lay a fucking bunt down or miss a bunt or strike out on three pitches just like, what the f- just give me a new fucking, and it's going to bring 15 jobs to 15 teams that previously yeah. didn't have a DH. The Padres, like, for and, as an example, like, they might sign Nelson Cruz now because who cares? He's 40 years old. Guy can still hit. I think he's probably going to be a yeah. liability in the outfield, but who gives a shit? He's going to hit. He's a hitter only. He's a DH. Yeah, I like I like that too. I, I mean, fuck the, like, I hate watching pitchers hit. I mean, it, it's fun with DeGrom's hitting, but, like, every once in a while, like, something like that. Or a pitcher hits a home run, it's like, whoa, how cool. Well, you know what? Guess what's going to happen is, like, you're going to get a guy that's going to hit fucking 35 jacks. Or a guy like Miguel Sano, who's going to be 375 pounds within the next five years. He's not going to be able to move. And all he's going to be able to do is just hit home runs out of the stadium. And, and like, 
you you keep those guys around, you give X amount of guys more jobs, like like you said. Um, yeah, love that. Don't want to watch pitchers hit. Don't want to watch bunts. Yep. I mean, it's fine. I I actually don't mind watching bunts if it's a good small ball, but like let somebody that's a good bunter get it down. Yep. And some of the pitchers obviously get it down, but it's like nobody really wants to watch that. And in the modern game, people want to watch jacks and right. Everyone, everyone hit. Nobody wants like. There's nothing worse than watching a game and you go, you you have it. You know, you have your starter, and it's like, well, I have to decide if I want Max Scherzer to throw the sixth inning. He's at 85 pitches, yep. or if he should hit and just ruin this inning because we have the bases cocked right now. Yep, I agree. So, and there, and that's old school. There's some old school about it that you you kind of enjoy the strategy behind it, but I think just in terms for the modern game and the way that the world's kind of going towards the instant gratification of entertainment. Love the DHs. Yeah, love the DH. I I don't mind that strategy in the National League, right? Where like it gets in the postseason or it gets whatever, and you're like, oh, I got a pinch hit for this guy or double switches. I don't mind that because it's still cool sometimes, but not really. Just keep the DH in there. Let's just hit jacks. So cool with that. And then these last two are probably the most, in my opinion, the most uh, contentious. And this first of the last two being that it sounds like the players and the owners are okay with adding a sponsor a sponsorship patch on the jersey of the major league teams it's going to be weird to see at first but i think a great example to reflect off of is the nba and yeah, it's not that big of a deal it's not it's that big of a deal in a weird way right it's, like I, I don't i don't love it but it's like Will I be? Will I get over it? Does it make the vet more money? Does it bring exposure to brands that want exposure that are willing to pay that much? Yeah, but 100%. Like, there is something to be said about a uniform that doesn't have fucking sponsors on it. I being agree. Sold being being able to enjoy the game and not being sold something while you're watching a pitcher. I agree. But, and the players and the players, the fans, well, and the players to an extent. Everybody in baseball is in some way or another, a little bit of a purist, right? You don't want to get, turn on Yankees, Red Sox and watch Aaron judge now batting. And he's got a crypto.com patch on his New York Yankees Jersey, right? Because it does, it does feel a little bit weird. Like you mentioned, there's something to be said about a nice clean pinstripe New York Yankees Jersey on with no last name on the back, just number 99. Like that's cool to see. But at the end of the day, if it makes more money for the owners, the owners will always do it. Always. They will always do it. They will. If, oh, an extra hundred million this year to put a fucking, uh, to put a Hulu patch on my Miami Marlins jersey. I don't give a fuck. Like, what does yeah. that matter to me? And it doesn't matter for the teams like the Marlins or the Padres or these young, you know, maybe not as major big market franchises, but honestly it'll look weird. I think at first for the New York Yankees to have a patch or the LA Dodgers to have a patch on their Jersey, it'll look a little bit weird. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. We can't control it. And I don't mind it. It doesn't affect the game literally at all. It's just a matter of if it's making more money for the fucking owners, then the owners should be like, okay, we're making more money. Let's pay these guys more. But whatever. It is what it is. Maybe they'll do a revenue share with the fucking patch money they make. I don't fucking know. Not on not my decision. Doesn't change how the game is played. So it's not a big deal. Yeah, 100%. And 
lastly, Jared, last on this list and something that I am very passionate about is the point they've agreed upon supposedly between the players and the owners is banning the shift. I'll let Jared go first on this and then I will unleash the hellstorm that I have to say about this. I but actually don't know what your stance is on this. You go ahead first, Jared, and then I'll I'll I I'll go with it. I think there should be parameters to the shift where like you okay. can shift to an extent. I don't think I don't love I fucking don't love like I get it. It's just such like a computery AI way to approach things, right? And I get it. Like, what they say is, you know, fuck, we'll go learn to go the other way. But, but sometimes, if you're talking about a guy that's like a dead pole hitter and like he's just pissing on fucking missiles that would normally be, you know, singles that you, because he's a dead pole guy. I do. That is kind of annoying. And I think it all it all go, comes back to them. They they want more offense. But I I mean, they want more hits. So I don't, I actually don't love, I don't love like, like overshifted infields when like the analytics have gotten so good that you're going to get a guy out fucking 90% of the time and the bat, he's going to hit, he's going to hit 196 because balls were getting, are getting laced, but there's everybody on that side of the field. I just like kind of like the traditional positions of baseball. And I think that there should, you should allow, obviously still allow shifts, but there should be like a, I don't know whether, how you would mark it little marks on the field or whatever where like okay like that's as far as you can shift you can't you can't if you're the shortstop you can't actually go on the second base side sure something like something like that where they where they they can't completely ban it but they can at least kind of limit what you can do that way kind of like like i said it's just such a it's become so analytical and you have so much data on these players playing 160 games and getting 500 at bats that you know okay he's hit 80 percent of his balls right here in this little gap let's load everybody everybody up over there and we know that like on top of it being difficult to hit already we know we can get him out because of his tendencies it's i i, I totally get the old school side that's like the fucking hard ass side that's like well learn how learn how to hit the ball the other way right now and do you know how to do anything it's like but it's like at the same time just for the offensive side and like i just think yeah like i said I'll let you I'll let you get after, but I think just having parameters set where like, okay, like you can't replace a guy on that side of the infield. It's almost like it's almost like um being offsides in hockey. You know, you can't just have a guy go flying down next to the net, you know. Sure. And in a way, that's that's like the one of the only comparisons I can think of in the sport. It's like you can't just have a guy sitting down there and the, that's like what the shift is. You can't have your defense over here, but I don't know. That's that's kind of where I sit with it, and I've, and I've obviously thought about it too. And that's that's what my conclusion is. I don't obviously don't think that it's like a complete ban, because that that'd be stupid. Because then a shortstop can't play in on a bunt, you know, or like you know, like where do you sure. draw the line? So. Sure. Um, little wishy washy there, but I think some markers on the field. Sure. I think I think the biggest thing for me would be middle infielders or like third baseman coming all the way across. I don't think you should be able to change your side of the infield. Sure. But but that's just that's kind of what my thought thoughts are on it. So let's hear. I I hear the arguments you're making. They make a lot of sense. And in the grand scheme of things, there's certainly different ways you can go about it. Where you could even, if you don't want to be, I have to put you know markers or anything like that. 
make it where infielders can go wherever they want, but they have to stay on the dirt of the infield, right? That's a fair assessment. Or you can't have four guys in the outfield grass when the pitch is delivered. Or you can't have four guys on one side of the infield. I hear those. I think they make relative sense if you wanted to ban the shift. But the fundamental thought process behind the shift is to com- is to gain a competitive advantage against the offense and they want more offense so they don't love the defense gaining that competitive advantage they don't love three guys on the right side of the infield and four outfielders against joey gallo because all he does is pull the ball i see that and it makes sense but the reason they started shifting is because they started to pick up on tendencies and lining up traditionally Joey Gallo would ground a ball to the right side and it would find a hole or he'd hit a line drive to that spot in the outfield and it would land for a base hit every fucking time, every time. So they made an adjustment in order to eliminate that from happening. So the adjustment has been made by the defense. In my opinion, it's now time for the offensive players to begin making their adjustments to avoid the shift and allow themselves to take at bats where they don't have to ban the shift, but the players can hit with traditional guys lined up. How do they do that? If Joey Gallo comes to the plate with nobody on the left side of the infield, zero players, and he swings and pops up to an outfielder or grounds out to the right side, I feel absolutely zero empathy for Joey Gallo. Zero. Because the simple answer is just bunt the ball. Now, bunting is actually a lot harder than people think. It is. And I agree with that argument. It's not easy to take a 99-mile-an-hour fastball in on your hands and bunt it anywhere, let alone directionally point the bat and bunt it down the third baseline. The problem is by banning the shift, we are rewarding hitters who have bad hitting tendencies of pulling the ball by allowing them to get more hits on the pull side. We are rewarding Joey Gallo for being an undisciplined pull happy hitter. We're rewarding that. And I do not think that should be rewarded. And let me ask you a question, Jared, as a counter argument for banning the shift, which I do not think they should ban or even limit at any point. Was Tony Gwynn ever shifted in his career? Yes or no? Uh, I probably assume not because he hit the ball all over the damn field. There's your answer. There's your answer right there. And I'm not saying it's easy to to hit the ball the other way. I'm not. And listen, if the team defensively lines up all on the right side of the field, guess where the pitcher is going to throw the ball soft away or hard in because that forces Joey Gallo to pull the ball, right? A hard fastball in the fuck's he going to do with that? He's going to shoot it the other way through the hole. Of course not. It's 99 miles an hour under his hands. But there's a video that I just saw on Twitter not too long, like earlier today, of this past season. Joey Gallo on the New York Yankees with a runner on third, one out in the ninth inning, and the Yankees were down by three runs. So they're losing four four to one. There's a runner on third base, and Joey Gallo comes up, and they have three infielders on the right side and four outfielders. And what does Joey Gallo do against Andrew Kittredge on the Rays? 
He gets a 96 mile fastball inside corner. As the pitcher lifts his leg, turns, squares his body up, holds the bat out, and just bunts a really hard ball straight out where the third baseman would have played. Of course, if the defense is lined up traditionally, he's out. But he bunts the ball, drives in the run from third base, gets to first safely on a base hit, and drives the run in, and now makes it a two-run game. And if the next guy comes up, Gio Urshela or whoever it is in the Yankees, and he hits a home run, the game is tied because Joey Gallo is on first base. So if you want to ban the shift as a hitter, here's how you ban the shift. Hit the ball the other way more consistently. Not every time, but more consistently. And if you're really worried about the shift and you show up in a Friday series and you're Joey Gallo against the Tampa Bay Rays and they're shifting you like crazy, bunt the ball on your first at-bat down the third baseline, base hit. Okay, the Rays can live with that. That's one hit. Come up your next time, they're shifted again. Guess what you do, Joey Gallo? You bunt the ball down the third baseline. If you get three bunt base hits in one game, guess what they're going to be doing on their fourth at-bat? They're going to be lined up traditionally. Then you take your hacks. Then you can absolutely fucking yank hook an outside pitch to right field, and it'll fall in for a base hit. But you have to be able to display the abilities to take the ball the other way so that the defense can line up proportionally to where you actually hit the ball. Tony Gwynn was an exceptional hitter, hit the ball the other way, never got shifted. Then guess what? When Tony Gwynn got out in front, rolled the ball over to the right side, it found the hole because he earned that hole by being a good hitter and being able to hit the ball the other way. So I do not like rewarding pull happy guys who try to yank everything and lack an actual hitting approach because we want more offense or because they think it's better for the game. Mike Trout doesn't get shifted. Fernando Tatis Jr. doesn't get shifted. Juan Soto, one of the best hitters, if not maybe the best pure hitter in the game, does not get shifted. Why does Juan Soto not get shifted, Jared? Because he hits piss rockets into the left field seats. He hits lasers down the left field line in the left center gap because he is a good, pure hitter with a good approach, and he's ready for outside pitches to be taken the other way. Fuck, even inside pitches. You see him shoot balls the other way all the time. And he's a good, pure hitter, and he doesn't get shifted. And if he did get shifted, he would say, this is laughable, and he would wait for that pitch, in or out, and make a conscious decision to hit the ball the other way. And so if you bunt... If you're not able to take the ball the other way as a hitter, that's not on us as a defense. That's my opinion. It's not on me as the Tampa Bay Rays defense to be like, well, he can't hit the ball the other way, but we have to let him. Bullshit, dude. Bullshit. If they want to put nine guys in right field, they should be able to do it because then that opens up a world of possibilities for Joey Gallo to hit the ball over the field. But when they line up traditionally, you're rewarding him for being a pull-happy lack discipline hitter and just yank balls to right field i think that's bullshit and i don't think it should be allowed if you want to limit the shifts i'm more okay with that limit to five per game ten per game something like that where they can line up wherever they want but that's not going to do anything because there's still tons of guys in the the line like the padres is a great example they're not going to shift on tatis they're not going to shift on machado they're not going to shift on jake cronenworth they're not going to shift on trent grisham but they'll shift on Eric Cosmer. So if you limit it to five per game, well, f- all four of Eric Cosmer's at-bats, they'll be shifted, and then the game won't change at all. So banning it completely is not the answer because you're rewarding shitty hitters. 
and limiting it to a certain number is also not the answer. I think the answer is learn to play baseball and hit the ball the other way. Much easier said than done. Much easier said than done to take a 99 mile an hour fastball down and away and shoot it to left field. Of course it's impossible. But guess what, Jared? Work on it. Work on it if you're a hitter. Line up the tee outside, set up the jugs machine. These guys have limitless resources at their fingertips. Get in the cage, or if you're taking live at-bats and you're Joey Gallo facing Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's trying to get a work uh, his first bullpen of the spring in, and he's only working on fastballs. Okay, Garrett Cole, when you throw your 10 straight outside fastballs, I'm going to step in the box. They're going to be 97 miles an hour, and I'm going to learn to take the ball the other way and not snap hook, yank a ball, and try to hit it into the fucking bleachers. Because if they want more offense— they should be keeping the shift and promoting guys to hit the ball all over the field instead of just hoping for a home run and instead having it be Joey Gallo, three true outcome guy, home run, walk, strikeout, or a line drive to the right side, bait ground ball to the right side. You want more offense, promote guys like Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna, and don't promote guys like Joey Gallo and Eric Hosmer. That's my take on it. No, and I, no I agree. I agree. I just think... I think if you want to do, like I said, if you want to do anything with it, then let's, if you want to do anything with it, it's got to be, you can't just ban it. It's got to be just a limitation where, where I don't know exactly how that's structured, but I, I see what you're saying. Like learn how to hit it. I just would hate to watch baseball turn into like, you know, <laughs> guy. I like you could you really can you can you can teach the defense that they need to be honest with you as a hitter, but it, it's it's tough to do when they, these guys have gone their whole careers without crazy amounts of analytics. You know, like you grew they grew up and they learned how to they learned how to be pole hitters because there wasn't a saber metrics or analytics guy telling the other teams that you know there's um there's going to be defenders. So they found their success learning baseball one way. So it's kind of like hard where you you'd basically be changing the generation of hitters like where a guy like Gallo might not have the same opportunity, even though he's a crazy talented baseball player. That is a, you'd be changing the opportunities for him because a scout might look at him and be like, ah, well, all, all he can do is pull the ball. What? Which I don't know. Maybe, maybe it would be good for the sport. I just think limitations. I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I think limitations just to, on how far they can come over or like, you know, uh, I don't know about number of times. I don't like. I don't like number of times. I just think, like, there should be like no shift zone. I yeah. fucking hate. I absolutely fucking hate watching a base hit up the middle getting stolen. That's fucking. That's annoying. And that's I agree hitting. with that. It's I not, agree with that. One hundred percent. There's, there's, there's missiles. I watched DJ LeMay who hit missiles up the middle. You know, and you're like, oh, you like, like, you watch on, on contact back over the pitcher's head. It's a beautiful swing. That's good hitting, and that shit gets robbed all the time. I agree. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe just no shift zones. I, I guess I don't know. I don't know how you really police that. And the only way that you could possibly do it is kind of like guess and check. Yeah. And see and kind of just see and see. Hey, what? And what's stopping? What this, if you what don't, did, what did this do for the game? If you don't want to get up the middle, I actually totally understand that argument, and that makes a lot of sense because, like we said. What do they teach you as a hitter growing up your entire life? Hit the ball hard, back up the middle. Hit the ball hard, back up the middle. Hit the ball hard, back up the middle. And then you do it, and you don't get rewarded. I understand that completely. But what's going to stop the shortstop? Okay, if the shortstop can't be on the right side of the infield, he can't be on the right side of second base, 
to line up just on the left side. And then right when the ball's crossing the plate, he just starts sprinting to the right side of the bit. You know what I mean? And getting almost a jump on, on where he thinks the ball's going to go anyways. So it's hard to police. I think it's hard to, it's, it's hard overall as a topic to debate. I am not a fan of banning the shift by any means, even a little bit, even limiting it. But I also understand where the other side's coming from. And I think that's important to note. I'm not losing my fucking mind over here saying anybody who disagrees with me is wrong because I can understand that they want to promote offense and they want to promote balls in play, action, runs, and this that type of stuff. But I think the the longer solution to that is teaching and promoting guys that are better pure hitters than instead of rewarding guys that are yank happy and just pull the ball all over the place. I think that's the solution is to fucking teach and make adjustments and not to just simply ban it. And I think pitchers are probably going to start to catch on to that a little bit more than they think. They might be cool with it now, but you're not going to love when you're Max Scherzer pitching against the Yankees and Joey Gallo is three for three with three yanked outside changeups rolled through the hole for a base hit when normally those would be outs with the shift. So that's kind of where I stand on that. Again, nothing we can do about it, but that's what they've agreed upon. So we'll see if they enforce it. We'll see if they even come to a fucking agreement and the bigger things, because that's much more important than these smaller things. But I think the banning the shift might impact the game bigger than, than we think. So it's interesting talking point. I'm obviously yeah, let's see, see what they do. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what they do with it. Yeah, we'll see what they do. I, uh, yeah. I, I will. I would be interested to see. I, I, I mean, I definitely. You have to be able to see it from both sides. I agree. One hundred percent. I so, agree. Um. Yeah. So, if yeah, if if it comes, if it comes, if we if we're able to watch it, like you know, if they do something this year, I'll be interested to see how they police it or. Um. Just yeah. So it'll be. Definitely some interesting times with baseball because there's huge changes coming. Huge changes. Um, huge. Everything from fucking potential shift bands to bigger bases to rubbo umps. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy shit. And like Jersey patch. I, I do agree with you on the on the on the purest point of like I don't love um I don't love completely getting away from the traditional game just to try to sell tickets because that seems kind of fucking cheesy it is super cheesy and that's that's where i stand on that a lot of that stuff doesn't change the traditional game but banning the shift i mean and i think one of the arguments is like ted ted uh, williams was shifted a lot in his career and he still racked up a ton of hits because he had great back control and hit the ball the other way and learned how to hit and found success so the last thing we wanted to touch on before we let you guys go is we just want to make sure that everybody understands that being former college baseball players playing in the state of the great state of Colorado and having that conversation with Lucas Gilbreth last week about how it's different and how the ball travels more and pitching is different, things of that nature, and how it's a little bit of a different game in Colorado. Nobody's arguing that. That's why Coors Field gets the rep that it does from the baseball community about how if a guy puts up big offensive numbers in Colorado or on the Rockies, it's not held to the same weight as maybe some of the other guys in the league. And understandably, like we said, because Coors Field can be very hitter friendly. 
But what we need to what we need to address, Jared, is the stigma that Coors Field is the only egregiously hitter friendly park in the big leagues. Yeah, that's um, that's just false. And 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 people bring that up. What's fucked up is people bring that up more than they bring up that fact that Yankee Stadium is literally a little league field. So looking at Jared, looking at the uh, home runs, home runs per stadium, I guess, last season. Who would you guess is the number one team? Who, wh- which ballpark gave up the most home runs last year in the major leagues? I feel like it would have to be Yankee, Yankee Stadium. So like Yankee, every, every game I watch there. So Yankee Stadium is actually number 12 on the list of really? most home runs last season. Yes. I could see it being, uh, you know, is it Camden Yards? Baltimore? Yeah. Baltimore is number two. On the list of home runs. Oh, I see that's I see that's the shoebox too. So, two of the top six parks as far as home runs allowed, and I know also this plays into the offensive output for the teams, right? Because number four on this list for home runs uh, hit in that in ballparks last year was the Chicago White Sox, guaranteed right field, and then that starts to make a little bit more sense because you look through their fucking lineup. Tim Anderson, Yasmani Grandal, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, like, holy shit, they just mash, right? They mash home runs nonstop. So that part makes sense to an extent. But Coors Field was fifth on this list, fifth in home runs. It went Cincinnati, number one. Cincy's tiny, too. Baltimore, two. Dodger Stadium, number three. Dodger Stadium is a shoebox. It's tiny. Nobody talks about it. Nobody wants to talk about it because it's in Southern California. The ball in the travel. I don't give a fuck. Dodger Stadium is tiny. And home runs go out of that joint a lot more than people think. Yes, they have a bunch of boppers too. Of course. Muncie, Bellinger, Seeger, AJ Pollock, all these boppers, right? The guys hit a ton of home runs. Okay, I get it. The Blue Jays are number six. So in the top six, two of the top six, Jared, are in the national and the American League East. Two of the top six are in the American League East. Orioles at two. Rogers Center for the Blue Jays at six. We need to start talking a little bit more about other ballparks being just as hitter friendly as Coors Field. And this is from Baseball Savant, which is an MLB.com sort of um, I guess it's just a statistical portion of their website. And park factor is the main stat that these stadiums are ranked at. Um, park factor definition for MLB ballpark factor is a great way of determining which stadiums are more beneficial for hitters ballpark factor at its most basic takes the runs scored by the team and its competitors and divides the figure by runs scored in teams and its competitors in road games. For example, in 2018, 849 runs were scored at Coors field 
and 676 runs were scored when the Rockies were playing away games. So the park factor made it the highest of anybody, basically. It's a great way of determining the extent to which a stadium favors hitters or pitchers. It isn't affected by the team's or players involved because those teams and players are also playing games in other stadiums. Okay, fair enough, right? Makes a lot of sense. Park factor rankings, Coors Field is number one. Fenway Park is number two in terms of favoring hitters. So now you have Baltimore having the second most home runs, Toronto having the sixth most home runs, the Red Sox ballpark being number two in park factor, the National or the American League East is a hitter-friendly division. There's no other way to put it. The National, the American League East favors hitters. I don't know what else to say. And that needs to be talked about, I think, a lot more than it does. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. And I just think I think like um, the only the only thing that I mean, obviously, I don't know what the elevation up there is or like up in Boston. Center. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just Rogers think center elevation. Let's see. The American League East is a hitter friendly division, and that needs to be talked about a lot more than it's talked about right now. You got the Reds at three for Park Factor, Orioles at four for Park Factor. And that's a big reason why, by the way. I'm sure you heard, but the Orioles at Camden Yards are pushing their left field fence back like a shit ton, <laughs> like 30 or 40 feet. So they're trying to compensate for that, but then that might just allow for more doubles. I I I don't know. I don't know. But I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I definitely know that. Like, yeah, I feel like when every time I watch a game, I mean, pesky pole is 11 feet down the line. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, Wrigley Field the Yankees is. Yankees, field is... Yankees entire Yankees entire field is just an absolute shoebox. Correct. Correct. Um and and that that really pisses me off that it's like th- what 310? Is it 310 down the 313? The Yankees is 310 down both lines. 310. Yeah, that's like 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 just to think about all those big lefties they have. I mean, it, it doesn't matter that all the big big righties too. The whole team is huge. You know what I mean? They got this monstrous team of grown ass men, and it's like, how many of these balls are just are fly balls that get caught at other fields? A ton. Because 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 yeah yeah, crush. If you hit a ball, they go further. But the thing about Yankee Stadium is you can miss you you can miss a ball more and hit out, hit it out. Correct. You can pop one up. You can pop one up that like wouldn't have enough umph some umph to get out you could pop one up like that wouldn't get out of course field that would get out of yankee stadium correct regardless of elevation because because you can not backspin it not get behind the ball at all and it could just go straight up in the air and the guy would literally catch it think about what 45 what i think it's 355 the lines at course field think about what 45 feet looks like if a guy's 45 feet of wall uh in front of the wall catching a ball it looks like it looks like a can of corn he takes a couple steps back and the crowd goes crowd goes oh and then it's a caught. second and then they go oh. yeah it gets caught just think about how, and, and it doesn't even look that close so think the about f- think about just being, being able to hit one of those fly balls and in the, the fucking announcers just back 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 it's like, it's like come on yeah like i don't know the, the yankees pissed me off the most probably for it because no they hardly 
people just love talking about like I think it was a couple years ago. It was like them and the twins were like in a race to hit the most home runs ever in a season. Yep. Like it was a, a couple years ago, and it was like nobody's really talking about. Yeah, nobody was talking about the fact that you you have grown ass professional athletes hitting a ball fucking fifty feet feet further than a little league field. Aaron, like, what, Judge, what are the little the little league World Series fences? Two ten. Two ten. Two ten. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Why are they a hundred feet? So the distance you have fucking Aaron Judge. Uh, Aaron Judge has to hit a ball basically the, the where where the first base coach is standing further than a fucking sixty four pound fucking little leaguer that's never <laughs> even seen a weight. How's that fucking make sense? It doesn't. And the best example I have for the Yankees here, Jared, is a guy like DJ Lemayhew. You mentioned DJ, DJ Lemayhew earlier for the hitting. He played seven years on the Rockies, and his career high for home runs was the last season he was with the Rockies. He hit fifteen home runs. For the Rockies in 2018. 15. It's a pretty big number for DJ LeMahieu, right? I mean, it's not bad. 15 home runs for a guy who slaps the ball over the yard, good back control, sprays the ball to right field. By the way, to quickly hammer this point home, does DJ LeMahieu ever get shifted, Jared? No, he doesn't because he hits the ball the other way. He, does, he, he gets shifted up the middle. I've seen him get fucking robbed up the middle. Well, that's fair, but then he'll find a way to shoot it the other way. I promise you because he's a good back control guy. He's a, he's a terrific hitter. So he has 15 home runs in 2018 with the Rockies and signs with the New York Yankees. He played about 20 more games, so we'll give him that. But he went from 15 home runs and his first year on the Yankees, DJ LeMayhew hit 26 home runs. DJ LeMayhew, whose career high before that was 15. Let me read off his full seasons for you, Jared, as far as home runs go before that. Two Five, six, 11, 8, 15. And his first year on the Yankees, he hits 26 home runs. That's not a coincidence. That is DJ LeMahieu playing at Yankee Stadium, subconsciously knowing in his brain, like you said, that he could clip a ball in the air to right field, backspin it, and it'll find the first row. And it's a home run. So the bottom line is, man, I'm not defending Coors Field because I am right there with everybody else where I think it's definitely hitter-friendly. And if you can be a good pitcher at Coors Field, you will dominate everywhere else by a lot. But these other ballparks need to be tossed into this conversation of these parks' favorite hitters. Cincinnati, Baltimore, Boston, New York, Toronto, Philadelphia, dude. Oh, my God. Philadelphia's top seven in park factor and in home runs philadelphia's top seven again they're they had the seventh most home runs last year and they're top seven in park factor why does no one talk about the phillies why does no one talk about that nobody i have not heard one fucking person this is no disrespect to ryan howard unbelievable guy hit 50 home runs amazing big bopper hitter okay 50 home runs it's a big year would he have hit 50 home runs at peco park jared would he have hit 50 no. home runs in detroit in Pittsburgh? In San Francisco? Fuck no. Fuck no, dude. There's no chance. They need to talk about that more often. And so when guys have monster years on the Giants, guys hit 30 home run, Buster Posey, and these guys, fucking good on them. They should get more credit. Yeah. That should be tossed into the MVP voting and shit. Like, Buster Posey, I'm just saying, hypothetical situation, Buster, or let's just say Brandon Crawford next year, goes off, hits 315, and he hits 35 home runs in the National League. And then Bryce Harper on the Phillies hits 310 and hits 42 home runs 
and they both have RBIs are comparable. Bryce Harper is going to get the nod over Brandon Crawford for MVP. Why? Because he had more home runs. Why did he have more home runs? Because he played in Philly. That's literally the only reason. And I think that should be talked about way more. Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit with um, talked about that that a little bit with how that makes Barry Bonds that much more impressive. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! They played. They played in San Fran. Like, dude, Barry Bonds in the current Yankee Stadium. (laughs) Oh my god! Barry Bonds in current Yankee Stadium would have hit two thousand career home runs. I would love. I would love. There's got to be a fucking like some analytic thing out there. His spray chart says. The spray chart that shows how many balls in Barry Bonds' career traveled over 310 feet. Dude, the like, perfect example is the video. You ever seen the video? Bond. You seen the video of Barry Bonds at the old Yankee Stadium, which, by the way, had the exact same dimensions as the new current Yankee Stadium. Barry Bonds is facing, I'm not sure, I think it was Ted Lilly, but it was a scrawny left-handed guy at Yankee Stadium, and he challenged Barry Bonds with a fastball up in the zone. Barry Bonds didn't hit this ball in the upper deck, Jared. He hit it two-thirds of the way up the upper deck. Barry Bonds at Yankee Stadium. That ball, granted, was out anywhere, and it was... It's out anywhere, of course, and it's a 595-foot fucking home run. Like, of course, it's gone anywhere. But it's like you said, if he played at Yankee Stadium, I'm not... I, I Again, we actually exaggerate quite a bit. He would have hit 85 home runs in that 73 home run season, no doubt in my mind. Maybe more, maybe more. But yeah, I, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he played his whole career like he did, basically with you know obviously the Pirates, but then he played in San Fran. But it's like if he played this entire career, was it was in the league for twenty two years? Sure, years, something like that. Whatever. But if he played this entire career at that current Yankee Stadium, he would have been pushing nine hundred, nine oh. hundred, or maybe a thousand home runs easily. <laughs> That's that's, that's what, 250 more than he had? How many fucking fly balls did Barry Bonds just miss that went 310? How many balls did he love- hit? How many balls did he hit in San Francisco to that right center gap that's 421 feet? Right center. Hammered a ball. And it shoots off the bricks of the, the big tall wall in right field. And it's a double. It's a triple. Sure. Or if it's up in the air long enough, it's a fucking fly out. That ball is not only a, not a fly out. That ball is over the bullpen. At Yankee Stadium, over the bullpen. So, oh, yeah. and the balls he hit into the bay in San Francisco, those balls are like literally in Times Square in Yankee Stadium. I don't know what else to say. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But, yep. No, but anyway, <laughs> fuck the AL East. <laughs> yeah. No, just just turn off every fuck the Yankees, fuck the no, no, no. Listen, it it's harder, it's easier said than done to fucking talk about hitting a ball in the air three hundred. 30 feet. I know that's not that far, but it's it's still impressive, right? To hit a ball that far off a guy, a major league pitcher. Don't get me wrong. But I thrown, yeah, it's not easy. There's definitely definitely don't want to take credit away from people for like squaring out pitches, but like when you get a But that's run, not squared up in a lot of cases. And especially with yeah. a guy that's as strong as Aaron Judge or guys that you know were big and strong. I just I don't know, man. I, I don't know how things would have looked, but it's all if ands and buts and what ifs and who knows and speculation but we can't control it we can't control baseball when it comes back this is all we have to fucking talk about because these guys can't get a fucking deal done more so than the owners by the way we want to make sure we're we're clear on which side we're on it's the fucking the owners are selfish pricks but there's nothing we can do here so that's going to wrap up episode 13 
Thank you guys for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Moral of the story, Jared, if you want to take anything away from this episode, just if you're a pro athlete, just don't bet on sports. What the fuck are you doing? Don't bet on sports. If you're a hitter, hit the ball the other way. And if you do hit the ball the other way and you play at Yankee Stadium, you might hit a home run. That's the moral of the story. So if you're a professional yeah. sports player, if you're a professional athlete, here's what you do. You play baseball, you don't bet on sports, and you hit your right-handed and you hit fly balls to left to right field. That's it. And you would have if everybody was like that, Jared, we wouldn't have anything to talk about in this episode. But thankfully, there are some dumb fucking idiots around here and they bet on sports and they think that uh they think that Derek Jeter's home walk-off home run in the 2001 World Series that went 319 feet to right field was a transcending, no doubt, perfect, perfect fucking home run to right field when fucking I could hit a home run at Yankee Stadium. I actually think, do you think you could hit a home run at Yankee Stadium, Jared, batting practice? Like you're in the cage, you got spikes on, you got your body loose, wood bat. Absolutely. I, I When we had uh, our little... Alumni, uh, alumni thing. I hit like I hit like six balls out in the little in the BP. I hit my very first ball I hit this year went dead center there. Uh, Metro. So okay, well let's preface. Jared's got Jared's a big muscle guy. He's got a lot of muscles on his body, so he uh, he can muscle one up. Absolutely go yard there. Can I can I hit pitching out of there? Probably not. <laughs> maybe like a maybe like a, a sophomore in high school throwing like fucking seventy four leaves one Jared, flat. Jared Rooley at the plate against Nestor Cortez on the Yankees and you get a hundred at bats get one out probably not Nestor Cortez maybe maybe he throws maybe 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 I catch like maybe just I catch a fastball I'm just guessing a little bit on a fastball because all you got to do Jared is hit it up in the air to right field to be quite honest with you a 2-0 fastball outside corner drop the barrel on it let the velo the 89 on our fastball work take it the other way yeah yeah I don't I, I don't know though I'm not. I'm not going to try to fucking claim I'm hitting any bombs off any big league pitchers. But you know, you see guys. You, I mean, fucking a. Uh, what's it? Uh, who, who am I thinking of? Bartolo Colon hit a, a bomb in the big league. So at Petco Park, by the way, that's a fucking jack. <laughs> so and, and Bartolo Colon's a, a freak athlete. I'm yeah, but I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just maybe, yeah, maybe maybe I fucking I guess right, and I, I get the bat around on a fastball and square it up. Then I, yeah, potentially, but. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna claim that I'm hitting bombs off anyone. Yeah, I mean, so you realistically, fucking strike out seventy four times and fist fuck the other ones to shortstop. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's that's where your confidence levels at. My confidence levels different. I probably in a hundred at bats, I'd probably finish with twenty five, thirty home runs off Nestor Cortez. Yankees <laughs> just no, but I mean, dude. And again, if you said Garrett Cole, if you said these other guys. Like 100 at bats against Garrett Cole. I am going 0 for 100 with 100 strikeouts on 300 pitches, just so everybody's clear. Like, in I all seriousness, you, it's all relative. Throw, even if you knew, even if you knew it was just fastballs coming, oh, I throw stuff. Oh man, I mean, you can't even see it. Did somebody okay? So that's uh, that's uh, we'll say that for a different day, but that's one thing that fucking people do not understand when watching baseball because you're just you, you see it on the TV and you see the pitch from behind and you're not up close. I was watching a video of uh, Chris Archer throwing some live BP or some like you know live at bats, and somebody actually got a good video that actually does fucking some type of justice 
to what a fastball actually looks like coming in. And it's just a blur. You don't, you can't see it. And I think on, on TV, like TV, it, it looks easy, way easier than if you were to like walk up and just even watch a guy warming up. But we didn't we touch watch, watch warm me up. Didn't we touch on in the last episode? We talked about that video of you Darvish throwing at that high school in San Diego. Oh, and that he, slider. No, he no no not the one from behind. It was a it was an upright video he posted like last week. If you guys haven't seen this fucking video. If you haven't seen this video of you Darvish throwing, staying ready for the season, there's a video of him throwing a bullpen on a high school field, and he reaches back clearly for a little bit extra on this fastball. We do not, we do not exaggerate on the show. We never have, we never will. This fastball undoubtedly would have been clocked at 113 miles an hour. No doubt in my mind. It was it was a fucking bullet, Jared. He reached back, and you know it's a little extra because some guys grunt when they pitch. Most guys don't. Maybe they let out a little like air. They like ugh, like whatever. Dude, he fucking reached back for this one and fucking ugh, ripped one. And you know when these guys spin the ball hard, you can just hear how fast it's going. It sounded like a fifty caliber bullet out of a like in. To the glove bullet dude and that's where we everybody listening has we could never touch big league pitching if anybody actually knew who we were and knew our, our sense of humor we could never fucking touch big league pitching so anyways that's where we stand thank you guys for listening to episode 13 if you made it this far don't forget to use code phenom fan and SeatGeek to get 20 bucks off your first order phenom fan seat geek 20 bucks off pretty good deal jared i don't know about you i'd want 20 bucks off i mean sounds i mean you might you might as well you save the 20 bucks you put it down in a parlay it's pretty simple math yeah yeah catch uh yeah go to the game and uh the 20 bucks you save bet on the game you're going to parlay 10 picks minimum 10 picks lottery ticket hit it and actually split the 20 bucks, put 10 on the t- on the same game parlay, put 10 in the 50-50 raffle, win both, and what? then you're rich. Because you would. Yeah, it's statistically it makes a lot of sense. You would probably win the raffle and the parlay. So thanks yeah, for listening, uh-huh. guys. Yeah, we appreciate the the uh the support. Check us out on our social media. We hope this deal gets done sooner rather than later. But if it doesn't, we got more topics we can talk about in the meantime. Hopefully, we get a an opening day sometime in April or May. Fuck, it's not looking good. But either way, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you guys on episode 14. And be on the lookout for some new content, new uh, possibly new pods. Jared wants to get into some, uh, some giving away these lottery ticket same game parlays you guys better stay t- stay locked in because it's coming it's, it's coming com- it's coming thanks for tuning in guys we'll catch you on the next one